Welcome. It is the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer, 1017 TheHammer.com. I am your humble host, Jared Jessalitis. Thank you for making me a part of your Thursday. Big Thursday, big show today. And we got great stuff going on here. Uh, we've got uh, Purdue softball coach uh, Maggie Frizzotti. She's going to be on with us here. Uh, we'll talk a little bit uh, about her vision for the program and you know, what she's all about. Get that vibe. Uh, I'm excited to uh, meet her, and uh, we'll have her on here in about, about a half hour or so. And uh, Tom Deanhart, goldandblack.com. Big things happening with Coach Walters and this football program. Another couple of big commits yesterday. We'll talk about those. What are we still waiting on? Who are we still waiting on? What to expect over this next month or so? Tom's got all of the details there with what's been going on with Purdue football. Very excited about that. Good vibes in the town today, let me tell you. I love it. Let's go ahead and uh, run down your need-to-know news. Purdue landed one of its biggest recruits yet in the class of 2024. It is Caleb Mitchell Irving, defensive lineman. Uh, He pledged uh, yesterday after he took an official visit over the weekend. He'll be the first defensive lineman, number 11 overall in the class. That was followed by a commitment from top kicker Spencer Porath. He's local. He's down in Brownsburg, one of the top kickers in the country. He's going to be on scholarship, too, which is not the way things used to go here in West Lafayette. He used to be uh, walk-ons who maybe earned a scholarship, but... Yeah, he's getting one right out of the gate. He was up for the specialist camp a few weeks ago and uh, won that kicking contest as well. Uh, Like I said, Tom from GoldenBlack.com is going to be on here in just a little bit. We'll talk about both those commitments. It's big stuff. Big, big, big stuff. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk with Tom here in just a little bit. Like I said, he's about uh, 10, 15 minutes away. NBA All-Star Saturday night is going to go down in Lucas Oil Stadium next season. Uh, The first batch of tickets will go on sale for Indiana residents only July 24th. They're going to do about 10,000 tickets or so. They start as low as $24. The event will have 35,000 seats. Now, it's going to be a little bit different. It's already set up like they do the Final Four, um, where it goes the length of the field. Picture a curtain at the 50-yard line running you know, sideline to sideline, and then they'll have a court on one side and then a uh, soundstage for performances on the other side uh, of that thing. But uh, it looks pretty darn cool. And, uh, yeah, those tickets will go on sale July 24th. A reminder, the NBA draft is tonight. First round coverage is on ABC and ESPN. You'll have to hop on to ESPN for second round coverage. It'll start at 8 p.m. tonight from Brooklyn in the Barclays Center. Cubs made light work out of the Pirates last night, 8-3 the final. They pull off the sweep. Pirates have been horrific lately, and the Cubs took full advantage. Kyle Hendricks, six and a third, one earned, two strikeouts. Nico Horner goes two for five with a homer and a triple for the second game in a row. He now has hits in nine of his last ten. Five of those have been multi-hit games. Ian Happ remains a pirate killer, going two for five as well with two doubles. Cubs are off to foggy London town. They will take on uh, the Cardinals for two games, and that series starts Saturday and wraps up on Sunday. Cubs, now winners of 10 of their last 12. White Sox drop their rubber match to the Rangers 6-3. to three. Michael Kopech with a bit of a step back here. Four innings only. Uh, gives up three earned, five strikeouts. Vaughn Homer, the Sox combined for a measly four hits on the game. They'll have the day off before the Red Sox come strolling into town. And it'll be Bello versus Giolito at 8-10. That'll be an evening start. The Red Sox actually playing one more today 
um, against the Minnesota Twins. So uh, the White Sox will kick back and relax and hope that they can uh, take at least one more from the Twins. Uh, That would be very beneficial in the race for the uh, American League Central, where um, the White Sox are five and a half games behind Minnesota. Red Sox took the first two, but Twins won last night. Five to one, but three out of four uh, would be very beneficial. Wouldn't you agree? And there you go. That is today's need to know news. Betting card has been a little cold earlier this week. I don't like it. It's not been great. We were so hot last week and uh, we came in here and uh, we just little, little thing, man. One base off last night on our uh, Luis Robert. We, we gave you all the numbers on lefties, man. Absolutely mashing and especially at home. Got the opening hit against Perez, and then that was it. One for three on the night. Don't like that. Let's get back after it, though. We'll find ourselves some winners. I'm going to try to switch it up a little bit tonight. I want to go to pitching. Blake Snell and Shane McClanahan are both on the mound tonight, both with very favorable matchups. Blake's got the best one, okay? He's taking on a Giants team, their fifth worst on the year against left-handed pitching, 14th in the last seven, and Snell has hit seven-plus strikeouts in four straight, plus 12 Ks in back-to-back starts. Absolutely crushing it, and here's the best part about it. This is I, I love this here. His number today, six and a half. So we're on Blake Snell over six and a half. I'm also looking at Shane McClanahan, Who's um his numbers gone up. They're taking on the Royals. And the Royals, well, they're not very good. Eighth worst against left-handed pitching. They are fourth worst in the last 30 days in K-rate against left-handed pitching. They are bottom 10 in the last seven and 14 days. They're not hitting left-handed pitching. And they're throwing out they're not even trying with the pitching tonight. And Kansas City's basically seeding this game. They know they're not going to win. They're not going to try to win. Shane's number's a little high. I'm not going to lie. It's at 7.5, but you're in plus money uh, if you want to take that. And I think you should. These guys both with great matchups. I'm on board here. Like I said, Shane... Number a little high, but I think we can get there. I think there's a decent chance both these guys, if you want to use a book like um, FanDuel that lets you go a little bit higher, I think there's a decent chance both these guys can go to at least nine strikeouts, if not ten strikeouts. Blake Snell's the favorite. Shane McClanahan, if you don't like it, take the alternates, bump them down like an extra one, and you'd be good to go. How about that? Those are the picks tonight. That's what I'm riding with. It's been a it's been a little bit of a bummer week here, but we can still do it. Our friends over at DraftKings still got great promos for you, too. Um, no sweat, all sports, same game parlay. There's the 25% boost that they've got for you, MLB. Back with the stepped-up same game parlay as well. Make sure you opt in. Make sure you read all the terms before you make those picks. You can even bet on the draft tonight, although at this point, This is like what we talked about with the uh, NFL draft. At this point, they all know. They 
absolutely no. Who's going one, two, and three? I don't even think you can take. I mean, you could, you know, who the number one. You, you, you know, the Frenchman's going to be number one, but there's literally no odds on that. Brandon Miller's fallen back a little bit on the second overall pick, and Scoot Henderson is going to be the third overall pick. That's that's what everything tells you here. And if you want to go with that right there, minus two fifty five to get you those first three. But when I look at that, and be careful here, guys, if you're going to get into the draft tonight, just double check. You could take Brandon Miller second overall at 255, minus 255, if you wanted to, okay? That's the same you're going to get for having uh, that three in order, but you're just adding the risk. So make sure you double check here. If you're going to take one of those um, first, second, third, or exact, double check it to see if there's not one of those picks, it's not going to give you the same price. And you take out all of the risk. Like, plus 100 on Amen Thompson um, to be the fourth pick. And then uh, the other Thompson at five. If you go through that, uh, if you go through that five. But I'm telling you, go back and take a look at what your odds are on Amen Thompson to be the fourth overall pick, and they just pull it. <laughs> so you can't even pick the number four. Well, there you go. They've got things you can take to be picked in the top five. Um, same thing with, like that. A Sir Thompson, you could take that at minus 145. Get better odds. So just pay attention. If you're going to get in the NBA tonight, just pay attention there. Um and we'll see, we'll see what happens. I don't have a good beat on the NBA. We we had Dustin Obirak on yesterday tell us some stuff. I just I I find that less predictable. But I'm pretty sure they know who the top three and top four, and probably even top five guys are. After that, like um like Dustin told you, there's those tiers right there, and then it's it's a drop down. So I think anything can happen after that. Just be careful. Double check your prices. Make sure that you're not uh, leaving money on the table and adding risk. I would hate for you to do that, first and foremost. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming up next, Tom Deanhart, goldenblack.com. He's my guest. We're going to talk about uh, what's been going on with Purdue football, why things have seemingly been trending up so much with this coaching staff. We're also going to talk about these two new prospects that just committed yesterday. Tom's coming up next. Stick around. You don't want to miss out on that. And then a little bit later on, it's Purdue softball coach Maggie Frizzotti is going to join us here. This is the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. All right, we're over to our Hammerhead hotline. Tom Deanhart, goldandblack.com, is just the man when it comes to covering this Purdue football team. And what a great day to have him in as uh, this recruiting class continues to get bigger and bigger. Tom, great to have you on the program as always. Uh, let, let's jump right into the two announcements that we got yesterday. Uh, a four-star defensive lineman from Texas in Caleb Mitchell Irving. Uh, they also turn around and get themselves one of the best kickers in the country as well. It just seems like Coach Walters is already firing on all cylinders. It's been good early returns so far. Yeah, that's 11 commitments so far in the class of 2024. 
three in the last two days, and like you said, Jared, two yesterday. So, yeah, nice start. Uh, it's been heavy on the defensive back so far, four commitments from D-backs. Guess maybe that shouldn't be a surprise when you consider that's sort of the area of expertise for Ryan Walters, and I'm sure that resonates with a lot of recruits. So, yeah, Caleb Mitchell Irving, what a big get. Um, defensive lineman, like you said, four-star kid. I think, you know, Caleb Mitchell Irving and then Luke Williams, the safety they got from Illinois last week, also was a four-star. Those two guys, Jared, are probably the two gems of the class thus far. I, I like both of them. I'll tell you what, I, I spent some time this morning watching some of Caleb's tape and just – Seems like he plays with a little bit of violence. I, I like that. Uh, great swim move, it looked like, and just, you know, great motor on him, too. And kind of some deceptive closing speed. I, I, I was pretty impressed by that. Um, reminded me of another guy that we took out of uh, Texas a couple of years ago, in, uh, in Nick Carraway, who may be a little bit undervalued by recruits, and then you watch the tape and you go, wow, I think this kid's pretty good uh, for what we're getting. And, I mean, just the size of somebody at that age is, uh, and Tom, I'll tell you what, you, you and I, you know, we can hit 260-something in our later years. We're not hitting 260-something uh, no. when we're 17 years old, are we? No, not a quality 260-pound sure. <laughs> so, I tell you what, anybody, anybody who watches football, follows football, knows, you know, getting good defensive linemen is this, it's one of the hardest spots to, to really cultivate top talent. Um Big guys who can move are hard to find. Good big guys who can move are even harder to find. They typically go to the elite school. So Caleb Mitchell Irving right now looks like he checks a lot of the boxes for this Purdue defense. It is going to feature a five-man line. You know, the two outside linebackers up front with two wins and a nose tackle. So, you know what, again, um, football people know that all, everything always starts up front in the trenches. If you're not good up front in the trenches, you're probably not going to be good on either side of the ball. And, again, this kid from from the from the Soto, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas, he's going to be a nice uh, centerpiece for the defensive line recruits that hopefully will follow uh, Mitchell Irving here uh, uh, through the rest of the summer. We're talking here with uh, Tom Deanhart from GoldenBlack.com on the Hammerhead Hotline. So you know this is like the first class they can really dig into, right, and uh, start to establish this team, Tom. One of the things I've noticed is just like the level of kid that's coming out that they're actually getting out. You're not just getting on the phone. You know, they're getting out here like uh, the Galloway kid who was uh, the Ohio tight end, like number one tight end in the country. Uh, You start to see all these four stars coming through and stuff here. Uh, These were not the level of recruits, you know, that were always coming through during the Jeff Braum era. Certainly a couple of them, but maybe not in the volume here. What is this staff doing differently? When you talk to these recruits uh, and see how the visits go, what are you hearing from them? What seems to be different between this regime and the old regime? Just, I, I think a real youthful vibe. Um, you know, Not to say that Jeff Rom staff wasn't player-friendly. I think it was in its own way. But this staff, I think, is, is much more player-friendly. Um, heck, I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> some of them aren't that much older than these recruits that they're recruiting. So, I think they're able to really connect with these guys. And there's just a real fun atmosphere, even at practices. And I think that's why you want to get these kids on campus. They did a lot of it in the spring during spring football. They wanted these guys to get here, watch how they coach, watch how practices are run, get to know the guys who would be their, possibly their future assistant coaches. So I think uh, a lot of that has resonated, that, that fun overall vibe. And just to that point, Jared, this last Monday, they had an event here called West Lollapalooza, which is primarily for underclassmen. 
Um, it, it was an event. There was no football that really went on. It was just more of a fun gathering of, of players. And they had, I guess, a swimming party at Ryan Walters' house. There was paintball with the coaches and the players. Just a lot of fun things like that that I don't think you ever would have seen Jeff Romstaff have an event like that. So, again, just trying to, again, uh, cultivate a real player-friendly uh, atmosphere and try to connect to these guys to show them that they can not only come to Purdue and be good football players, but they would also come to Purdue and have some fun, too. We're talking with Tom Deanhart here on the Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, you know, we kind of glazed over it because I think we kind of do that with uh, special teams, though. But uh, this uh, Spencer Porath, the, the kicker out of Brownsburg here, I know that, yeah. you know, on three, ESPN, they usually don't rank these kickers, but there are kicker-specific uh, services that rank these kids. And he tends to be on a, uh, towards the top of a lot of these lists. Uh, this is a big deal because that's uh, that's a spot that's not always been the most solid for Purdue in the recent uh, in recent history. Yeah, um, sometimes coaches don't like to give high school kickers scholarships. They like to bring them in as walk-ons and make them earn scholarships. So that was typically the mo under Jeff Brom for the most part with with his place kickers. Well, this staff wanted Spencer Porath. Like you said, he's the best kicker in the state. Uh, there's an organization called Cole's Kicking that ranks him as the number nine kicker in the nation. Um, he came to camp, their specialist camp, earlier this month and was awarded the best kicker honor, hit nine of his ten field goals, and uh, just a big leg. And like you said, a Brownsburg, Indiana kid. He's got a brother that already goes to school here. He also, Spencer Porath, plays basketball at Brownsburg, of course, with Purdue commit Cannon Ketching, so he's a pretty good athlete as well. So, yeah, Purdue hopes they have their kicker of the future in, and Porath, uh, who will get here next year. Again, a, a special guy who I'm sure, that, again, is going to be given every opportunity to try to win that job in the fall of 2024. Tom, what happens over the next month here? Are there any more camps? Uh, are they just doing visits? What, what's gonna, what can we expect here uh, for the uh, last week of June and then through the month of July? Yeah, this is uh, the, the the last weekend coming up, the 23rd or the 25th. A lot of a lot of OVs coming in here, Jared. Five guys come in here who have already committed. One of them is Purdue's quarterback, hopefully of the future, Marcos uh, Marcos Davila from uh, from down from Texas. So um, he'll be in town, and uh, like I said, upwards about the next 14 guys overall will be here. So. Um, after that, you know, things go quiet in July. So, again, right now they're still going to have kids coming on campus. And the camps are over. They finished those up about a week or so ago. So, again, July is typically a month when a lot of coaches are going on vacation, too. And, gosh, about a month from now they'll have Big Ten Media Day down in Indianapolis, and we'll be off and away. So um, this is the last real busy time uh, of the off season before there's a little bit of downtime. And then, of course, like I said, uh, camps get cranked up in August. Is there a specific position they're still looking to get in this uh, upcoming class? Is there some big positions in need? I know, like we said, a lot of defensive backs already. Uh, you've yeah. got some. You got some guys on the defensive side here. Uh, I, I got to think wide receivers another position. Maybe they'd like another guy or two. Just kind of give me some areas that they may yeah. still be looking for here. Yeah, they got a receiver commitment a couple of days ago. Uh, uh, Shamar Rigby from Florida. So that's the second wide receiver commit they've gotten in this class to go with a kid named Jesse Watson from East St. Louis. And I do think, Jerry, they want at least one, maybe two more wide receivers. They need to tie it in. You alluded to the kid from, from Ohio who's here right now. 
Um, so that's a position. I think they want at least one more offensive lineman. They've got two now. Um, they have their quarterback. They have a running back. In defense, we talked about the, the secondary. They already got four guys back there. And they have the one defensive lineman. I, th- I think you're going to see at least a couple linebackers, maybe three or four if you combine inside and outside linebackers. So I think when it's all said and done, when you get to December, which is signing day, I wouldn't be shocked if there's between 20 to 24 commitments uh, in this class. And like I said, right now there's 11. And Jared, I think in the next couple weeks we're going to see at least you know, two or three more guys commit from uh, the vibe I'm getting. I'll tell you what, and you've been hitting on these things too as well. you got to make sure you get your subscription to goldenblack.com because Tom does a great job of letting you know who's in town, what's going on, what the staff is looking for. Um, and people are just getting so excited about this football squad. I'll tell you what, and the uh, energy from Coach Walters has been fantastic. Um, it's, uh, it's just got me so amped for August here. Uh, let's go. Let's get the tunnel. Let's get the south end zone. Or, by the way, are, are we still on schedule? Do, are you getting the vibe we're on schedule with everything at Ross A, that we're going to be good to go for that game against Fresno State? Yeah, September 2nd. Last time I, I spoke to AD Mike Bobensky about three or four weeks ago, he said he said things are, are going well. You know, the weather's obviously cooperated without any rain, so they've had good conditions to work. I know they've been working some extra hours. So, yeah, last I was told it's still going to be all systems go. Should be ready to go. For the opener, you know, Jerry, if there is, for some reason, it's not complete. Um, I was told that they were still going to have their games in Ross State Stadium. It would just be compromised, and certain areas wouldn't be of use. But, again, I don't think there's any plan for that. Again, I think right now everything is on schedule. That south end zone and that tunnel should be ready to go. That opener against the Fresno State Bulldogs on September 2nd. It's all coming up. Boilers, I'll tell you what. Again, make sure you check out Tom on Twitter as well and uh, get those subscriptions to Golden Black because uh, I absolutely love mine and Tom and, and Brian Newbert and Alan and everybody. They do such a great job over there, so go check it out. Tom, it's always a pleasure catching up with you here, talking a little bit about football here. And uh, before we know it, camp's going to be starting. I can't wait to talk about it with you, bud. You got it. Thank you very much for having me, Jared. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. We're going back over to our Hammerhead Hotline, and we're going to bring in the newest coach at Purdue University over at softball. Uh, Maggie Frizzotti is going to join us here. Uh, good afternoon, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great, Jerry. How are you? I'm doing, me. I'm doing fantastic. First and foremost, congratulations uh, on becoming the uh, latest uh, head coach of Purdue softball. I, I know you've been there with the team for a little bit already, but... Um, kind of talk about what that process has been like to uh, now become the head coach and, and and tell me a little bit about how, you know, the, the, the first couple of weeks have gone for you in this whole process of getting this thing uh, up to speed where you want it. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for, for the good wishes there, and I'm totally honored to be serving as a head coach here. Um, yes, I was here for two years as an assistant coach, uh, led our defensive efforts here, and, you know, like from the moment I got here, I had one mission and it was to help Purdue um, become that team that, that is respected and can compete for championships. And um, throughout my time here, I, I build relationships and, and I could uh, definitely help that defense play at an elite level. And I cannot speak for, for what other people think, but I think that maybe helped me a little bit in that transition um, and being given the opportunity to um, lead the, the team as the head coach. 
Yeah, and defensively seems like everything went uh, pretty darn well for you guys uh, this season. It was just, you know, the, the bats needed to wake up a, a little bit too. Um, I, I, know, I know you have an extensive background, but I, how, how do you go about uh, fixing that problem, just trying to get, uh, uh, is it a recruiting thing? Is it more you know, practice-wise that you guys need to do? How do you get back to scoring the runs? Yeah, I love that question. Obviously, recruiting is always important. Uh, to compete at this level and compete for championships, you, you need talented um, student-athletes. Uh, but you also need great people. Uh, something that is going to be important for us, and I'll answer the hitting-specific question here in a second, but um, great people make great teams, and great teams uh, compete for championships and, and can achieve great things. So uh, we're not going to look overlook the, the, the quality people to get talent. But, yeah, recruiting always is important, but we have a very talented team right now. Uh, so I believe that we can do great things with the people we have already. Um, specific about hitting, uh, I think that we have to commit to do if few things ex- exceptionally well, right? Like I, I am somebody that believes that once you can establish, you know, what your priorities are and, and what are the things that are going to make a difference, then you need to invest a lot of time in that because you can be, you know, trying to be excellent on all these things. Like we have a time limit here. We don't have all the time in the war, and we have to make sure that we're ready to, uh, to compete at that high level. So we're going to clean up some swings. We're going to make sure that our swings are in a position where we can hit all parts of the zone, um, and that we can put pressure on the defense constantly. Um, we have a great strength coach whose specialty uh, is speed. So we know we're going to have the speed. We're going to run the bases situationally a little bit better, um, but we're going to use the speed that we have too. So in terms of like identity and what type of offensive team I'm planning to, to create and develop, it's a team that can put a lot of pressure on the defense. And uh, I have a background in like kind of like biomechanics and sequencing and things like that. So I know that once we clean up those swings, the, the power numbers, the extra base hits are going to come, right? Uh-huh. But I want to make sure that we're a team that is hard to beat. We're talking with new Purdue softball coach Maggie Verzotti here on the Hammerhead Hotline. So now you got to have to hit the ground running here, get right into the recruiting. Uh, obviously, you know, Purdue probably targeting um, a, a lot of young ladies uh, before the coaching change. And you talked about the importance of relationships and establishing, establishing those. But, you, you know, under your, uh, under your coaching here now, uh, what does a Boilermaker softball player look like? What, what are the traits that will um, uh, show up here in, in the players that you're going after? What are you looking for specifically? Yeah, well, I obviously say touch on the great people, right? We want to get people here. But I want people that, that love to compete. When somebody loves to compete, they find they find a way, right? They always find a way. They don't get discouraged. They they hate losing. They they hate setbacks and things like that, And but they keep pushing. Um, obviously, there's a, a certain level of athleticism and, and softball level that we're going to be targeting, but in terms of just general and important traits that I'm going after, I want good people and I want people that love to compete. Uh, I know some folks here are probably trying to place the, the accent that you have, but you, you are originally from Argentina, correct? Yes, I am. So, and, and you play for the national team there. I, I think folks, listeners know that, you know, you go down through Latin America and South America, a very big baseball appetite there from the fans. Tell me a little bit about the softball community down uh, around that way. Is, is it very popular? Is there uh, enough access for this for young women? Uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, how folks down there uh, like their softball and uh, you know what are some of the hurdles that they're still trying to, to, to work through as that uh, sport becomes more popular in, uh, in your homeland. 
Yeah, so I'm not going to lie, in Argentina, softball is not the most popular, and it was kind of crazy that I fell in love with the sport, but here I am, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm chasing this sport around because I freaking love it, and, um, but yeah, it's, like you said, it needs to be developed. Hopefully, it can grow, but there are people that love love the sport, and they're very passionate, and they're very committed to just find ways to continue to get better. Um, I, I'm fortunate enough that with a group of my friends from other countries in Latin America and from, from Puerto Rico and Venezuela and Colombia, um, that we kind of created a little group a couple of years back during COVID when we had a little more time in our hands uh, to perhaps become that bridge and, and fill that gap between the people in the Latin American community that were hungry for higher level content and higher level knowledge of the, of the game and, and us, right? Like the six of us had the opportunity, had that uh, content, that uh, knowledge in our hands. So we created this little group that is called Lineup Latino. Uh, we're not doing that much right now, but we did a lot during COVID, just hoping that we can at least give back to the community in that sense and, and be a resource for them and for the people that want to continue to play the sport and, and grow the sport in Latin America as well. I absolutely love that. We're talking with uh, Purdue softball coach Maggie uh, Frizzotti here on our Hammerhead Hotline. Um, and, and you're an accomplished international player as well. Like I said, uh, you know, playing uh, in um, for the Argentina national team for over 13 years, which means you've been around here. You, you've seen a lot of softball facilities. You played in a lot of nice places, I'm sure. Talk about what you have at your disposal at Purdue. I, I've always thought that, that we have great fields out that way uh, with uh, Bittinger and, of course, you know, Folk and uh, and Alexander over the other side there too, but uh, talk about about the facilities that you have to work with, that you have to offer uh, for these young folks. And, and in your experience, how, how does Bittinger uh, and those facilities stack up to uh, some of the other facilities that you've seen across the country and, and even across the world when you played? Yeah, Bittinger Stadium is one of the most beautiful stadiums in the country. And for those of you listening, if you haven't been here yet, then you should soon uh, we're going to be playing some games this fall, hopefully eight ex- exhibition games. So come on, check it out, support us here. But, yeah, going back to your question, we have one of the best stadiums here. We have uh indoor heating facility here where uh, we don't need to, you know, share the space with anybody. So if obviously we're an outdoor sport and weather sometimes gets in the way, but we have the ability to to continue having really good practices um, and things like that because we have our own space. Um, like I said, it's one of the best stadiums in the country. Uh, we have great crowd this last year, and that makes for a fantastic environment where we can really compete and, and feel the love that the people are giving us, and, and we feel like we're competing with a little bit of a bigger team than the other team because of that. I, I love the energy from you. I, I just, I absolutely love it. I, it radiates through here. You, you, you actually, you remind me a little bit about Katie Gerald's, where just uh, Purdue women's basketball. It just radiates off you too. Do, do people tell you that? Uh, the energy, yes. The Katie Jones comparison, that, that's the first. You probably want to see me in person. I'm a little shorter than Katie, but um, it, it's a nice compliment. I really appreciate that. Uh, and, and I love it. And, and when I, the, the things I hear from you about the, you know, relationships and, and how that's important and how you describe future Boilermakers and what you want to do and you combine that with the energy enthusiasm that you do have, uh, I think the sky is the limit for this Purdue softball program. Uh, Coach Maggie Verzoti on with us here on the Hammerhead Hotline. Again, keep an eye out for those fall dates. We'll be able to get the Bittinger and see some of those exhibitions. I'm sure they'll have that stuff announced soon. It has been an absolute pleasure uh, meeting you, and I cannot wait to see what you do with this program going forward, Coach. Thank you so much, Jerry. I really appreciate you and your time. Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. I'm Jerry Jessalitis. Our great talks there, Tom Dean Hart. 
Great talk with our new softball coach, uh, Maggie Frizzotti. Uh, I love her energy. I just do. It's great. Uh, it's infectious. I think look, we've had, let's see here, we've had Coach Bird on uh, from uh, women's golf. We've had Katie uh, I'm trying to go through all the Bobinski hires that we've talked to. Um, no, we haven't had a chance to talk with Coach Walters yet. We're working on it. But you see, you feel like with these hires that I hear a lot of the word relationship and, and relationship building. Like you hear a lot of that. That seems to be first and foremost with coaches. And I know that kind of seems like, you know, yeah, that's that's common sense that you're going to have to. But I feel like it's a real emphasis when he's been hiring new coaches. It's just how they go about building those relationships and how they maintain those relationships with young athletes. And I feel like it's been it's been paying off, hasn't it? I mean, you're seeing how it's paying off with football. You're seeing how it's paid off with Coach Gerald's. So women's golf had themselves a pretty darn good year as well. You see it. And then you got a couple of that with like a real level of enthusiasm, and I think you got the recipe for great coaches. Not that Coach Boo didn't, you know, have that kind of enthusiasm or, or relationship or anything, but I just, I feel like this is different with her, and uh, I'm very excited to see, uh, generally excited to see what this program's going to be able to crank out um, over the next couple of years. So um, it's not easy. You can't come in and, and turn these things around in like, you know, six months. But I feel like that program is is, is destined to get better. So very excited to have her on board. Love the interview. She seems great. Absolutely great. Just got to get those bats going. That's the problem. And they got no hit with like three, four times. Just got to get the bats going. I think the rest will start to take care of itself. Okay. Um, and great stuff from Tom as well. Talking about, um, you know, this class of 2024 coming around. Uh, I, I spent the board. I watched this Caleb Mitchell Irving tape and boy. I love what I see. It's a great D lineman. He's got some speed. I, you know, at times you watch it and it seems like some of the other guys on the line maybe had a little bit of a, a quicker jump for him than him. But overall, I mean, there's tape of him getting double teamed and still fighting through. Swim moves look good. Violent finishes, too. I mean, he gets after it. He puts a hit. He tosses these dudes to the ground. I like that. Plays with a little bit of a nasty edge, it seemed like. I need more guys like that. Somebody in the trenches. Like Tom said, they'll find a big guy up front that's got some speed. Um, is a rarity. But I watched him fight through some double teams, still make tackles, get after a quarterback, close. Seemed to have some good vision as well. I mean, just look at the dimensions of the guy. Let me say he's like 6'4 and 260-something. Absolutely. Yeah, so to get an interior lineman like that, and Tom you know, also talked about having those uh, five linemen up front. 
know, you're sneaking those outside linebackers. It's almost like a 3-4, but you bring those outside linebackers almost to kind of play end. That he's going to fit in really well there. Really, really well. You need, I mean, if you go with a more traditional 3-4, I'm not saying they're doing that, but the, really the key to 3-4 that a lot of people don't talk about, everybody thinks you're going to have these great outside linebackers, and you do, but if you do not have good tackles up front to eat up double teams, it it really negates the whole thing. You got to have guys that are that draw the attention for the double teams and that can still cause problems while being double teamed, which is easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. But then you got to free it up for those faster outside linebackers, and they are getting faster now. That's that's the need, especially with the RPOs and everything, too. You need outside linebackers that um, can fight, but then also get sideline to sideline these days. That's so important. But if those guys are getting picked up coming off the edge, it's not it's not as good. You, you need that big tackle that's going to be able to get into the backfield, at least push uh, the pocket into the backfield, and force the quarterback to make a decision on where to go. And just watching the tape here, he looks like a young man that will be capable of doing that. You know, as for um, as for Spencer Porath, big leg. I mean, there's video. If you go look at his Twitter, there's video of him just knocking down 45-yarders, no problem. I think he said he went out there and he won a camp competition, 62 off the tee. It's a big leg for a kid that age. But, of course, you know, these are all good kicking conditions. He does grow up in Indiana. He does know what it's like to go out there and kick in subpar conditions. You like that. And I'm going to be interesting. It'll be very interesting once that south end zone's completed, um, if that affects kicking into that end zone. Just how much does it affect? Does it now become a little bit more of a swirling? Uh, does it kill um, that wind? Does it? Kind of focus it into a tunnel somewhere. I can't wait to see how that does. And you need a guy that's used to that kind of stuff because kicking for all of the physical attributes you need is such a mental. It's such a mental job, right? It's like golf. You can work on the swing. You can study and do all that stuff. But that is a mental battle of a sport, if anything. And I think kicking is right up there with it. A lot of pressure, and you're coming out to do one thing. It takes about three seconds. Boom. He also looked like he had some great hang time on kickoffs as well. And that's huge. To not give the other team a chance to run it out is always huge. So two great pickups, and it sounds like there's still more to come. Those are the rumors. But this is turning out to be a pretty darn good first class. It's a good step because this is the 2025 class that intrigues me the most for Coach Walters. Once now, you know, they're playing a little catch up here on 2024. A little bit. Because you got to come in and then you got to evaluate. And you had a small window to do that, and then you had to get these guys in. 
You got to learn about it. You got to build those relationships. Now, 2025, you've got that longer window to identify, to build the relationships, and to get the guys that you really want to come in. And this is what they've done with the class of 2024. I mean, imagine you give them the full recruiting cycle there, the full time to take a look, identify these guys, and build those relationships. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be real special. I, I really, really do. As for this year, I'm going to wait until I see what happens at fall camp. There's just so many new names in there. You know, the portal's been worked. New defense. New offense. I just, I, I know Vegas has five and a half wins as the uh, over-under. But I'm just, I'm not prepared to sink my teeth in any of that stuff yet until I see how this is all coming together. If anything, that number's probably going to be too low. Because I really think early on you can catch a lot of teams off guard because they're not going to have the tape on you. A lot of new faces, new coaching staff, new philosophies, new offense, new defense. It's going to take time for teams to adjust. You know, we always talk about this. You can mask your weaknesses, but you can only do it for so long until they get exposed. And every team has weaknesses. But I like so far what we've been doing here. Uh, I like what this coaching staff has been doing. A lot of stuff on the social media. Do I get it? Do I vibe with it? Not really. But you know who does? The four and five star recruits are clearly doing that. So I'm not questioning anything in this process. I am quite all right, and you should be too, if you say, I do not understand um, what excites, um, you know, 17, 18 year old uh, young athletes, what really gets them hype with the social media. That's cool. You should be totally okay with that. Don't criticize when you see it. Just shrug your shoulders and say, hey, if it works, it works. All right, time for a few of the things that we may have missed. Um, I am ready for the Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg cage match. If you didn't see this, uh, Zuckerberg's coming out with his own like little Twitter competitor, and Elon had made a backhanded joke who, in saying, hey, I'd be down for the cage match. And Zuckerberg's like, Anytime, anywhere, let's go. I'm serious. No jokes. It's like Tombstone. Remember when he's uh, he's waiting for Kurt Russell? And then Val Kilmer shows up. He's like, I was just fooling around. Kilmer's like, I wasn't. He has, he has to do this, right? He has to take the fight. He has to get into a cage and do this now. Otherwise, he's going to look so foolish. You can't be out here demanding that people come and and debate things on your show, and if you don't, you know, you're just, you're afraid and you're scared, and then kind of backhandedly say something like this, and then back out of it. You you lose that credibility. We'll see what happens, but <laughs> let's do it for charity. Come on. Let's have some fun. Also tonight, and don't forget NBA draft tonight. Pacers still picking at seven uh, as of when uh, I, I've looked at it. I don't know if they traded out of that just yet or not, but uh, I'm excited to see who the Pacers or what the Pacers end up doing, um, even though ultimately it might just be kind of a shoulder shrug and, hey, it is what it is. But um, it's draft night. You always appreciate that. 
All right, coming up tomorrow, we're going to be back at it here on the Hammer Down Show. Uh, we'll wrap up here. We'll take a look at what's going on for the weekend, and we'll talk about the what the Pacers have done in the NBA draft. And who knows, may even have a couple more of those commitments for Purdue football. We'll be back here again tomorrow, back here on the Hammer Down Show, starting at 3 on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. I'll see you in tomorrow.